fun, fun group, not a very smart group, but a very fun group this morning, <laughs> exciting. We're ironically talking about wisdom this morning. So this is not a random sample. Uh, this is the group that needs the message the most. So no, uh, seriously, let's be careful today as we come home. I'm, gonna, I'm not, uh, not going to go, we're not going to go as long this morning, uh, which means we're going to end kind of on time. No, it's it's good to be back here, and uh, it's it's it is kind of a, a fun uh, fun time to be able to to be a little bit more intimate in a smaller group this morning. So we'll do that, and and, and again, in all seriousness, uh, be, please be very careful as you you drive uh, home this afternoon, and and be safe. We're looking at uh, the book of Proverbs, so go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter one with me, if you would, and we're going to be looking at Proverbs uh, chapter one verses one through nineteen. Uh, we'll look at a little bit this morning. Really, we're gonna, going to be looking at it in, in the coming weeks, and so we're kind of changing some things around here a little bit. We're going to be kind of giving some introductory thoughts to Proverbs this morning, then we're going to be looking at this passage next week, and then I believe it's the week after that is, is Sanctity of Life Sunday, where we highlight our, our ministry to orphans and, and talk about the sanctity of human life. And so we're going to be taking a, a little bit of, we'll, we'll tie it into Proverbs 1 a little bit, we'll be in a different passage, then we'll come back to Proverbs 1, then I believe, uh, I believe I have a study week, and then, and then after that we begin the book of First John. So that's kind of where all this is headed. I'm really excited about getting into First John, but we're not quite there yet, but we're, we're on our way. And so hopefully uh, that will begin kind of toward the beginning of February, but probably not the first Sunday of February, and that will be what uh, dominates our 2014, uh, if the Lord wills, right? So uh, if you're there in Proverbs chapter 1, and you're able, if you'd stand with me in honor of God as we read his word together, Proverbs chapter 1, and I'm just going to read the first seven verses this morning. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 19, though, in the coming weeks as we talk about wisdom in the family, wisdom for the family. Verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You may be seated. May God encourage us through his word this morning. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that we have together here this morning that you brought us, us who are able to, to come together this morning in some uh, tough weather. We pray for safety for those who are out in it, for those uh, who need to for work or to keep us safe. We pray that you would uh, be with them and, and keep them safe this morning and over the next uh, few days. We pray for us as we travel home or to wherever we're headed, that you would keep us safe there as well. Help us in all areas of life to be wise, and thank you for the book of Proverbs and the lessons of wisdom that it instructs us in. And we pray all these things in your son Jesus' name for your glory. Amen. Well, this past week we were in Texas. And, and in Texas, we were dealing with uh, 
the, the joy of, of being with family, and uh, we're kind of, we're kind of, Whitney and I are in an interesting stage of life. I mean, I guess every stage of life that we're in is interesting, and the challenges that it presents as we interact with family, but Whitney and I are kind of in this stage where we're both the oldest children in, in each of our respective families, and our children are older than all the other cousins. So our, our youngest child is older than the next oldest cousin. So there's kind of some interesting dynamics. And you come back home and you're interacting with mom and dad. And so they're your mom and dad, but now they're also the grandparents to your children. And you're interacting with your brother and he's still your brother, but he's also the parent of your children's cousins and your nephews and nieces. And so you're interacting with him not just as a brother, but as someone who's in charge of these other kids that are playing with your kids. And all these different, you know, we, we grew up in the same house, and, and now we're coming to our own families, and we're coming back. And there's just some, some interesting dynamics. Right? I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about, those of you who are parents or are reaching our stage in life or have already passed it and, and are in a different stage of life. But it, it's, it's fun, but it has challenges. So just as an example, we went to Whitney's family's house, and there were, you know, 20-something people in this kind of small room, and so everyone, you know, the cousins are running around and just acting crazy, and some of the aunts and uncles, too, are running around acting crazy, and the, it's, it's, it's loud, there are a lot of things going on, the kids get a little bit bored, and so they, they go exploring in the other rooms, and it started off with two children going in this back room, and I, I won't say their, their first names, but their last name uh, was Bennett. Um, and Whitney's sisters did not marry anyone with the last name Bennett. So I won't tell you which children they were, but you can kind of infer who the parent was and parents were. So these two Bennett children go into this back room and they encounter a treadmill. And right next to the treadmill is a big exercise ball. They look at the treadmill, they look at the exercise ball, and they look at the treadmill. And uh, one of my children thinks they should go together. And so they turn on the treadmill, and one child will, the game they come up with is one child will run on the treadmill, and the other will grab the exercise ball and put it in the front, and the, so the ball goes, and the, child, the other child just jump, you know, run and jump over, and they, they, they're playing like a little video game, and they think it's, it's hilarious, right? I told them I was going to tell this story, and uh, they said, Dad, you normally don't tell stories that make us look too bad, and I said, yeah, but this is part of your punishment. So they're, they're playing this game, and the, the younger cousins come in, and, and they see this, and they think it looks like grand fun, and one of them tries, I, don't, I still don't know exactly what happened, but all I know is that by the time the parents were coming in to investigate, there's this, this uh, one of the younger cousins has this big uh, treadmill mark all over his face, and has hurt his arm, and is crying, and so now, how does wisdom come into this? Well, first of all, there's just the, the wisdom that uh, was not on display on the part of some children. And now, the other part of wisdom, because wisdom isn't just about making right decisions, it's about navigating situations. And so, I'm a parent, and I need to correct my children, but it, there's another parent who wants to correct her, my sister-in-law wants to correct her children as well, but my children kind of cause the pain that her children are in. And so, now, how do we discipline? We may di discipline in some slightly different ways. And so, um, now I've got to figure out what do I do to my children since my sister-in-law is standing right there, and 
Should I let her do something to them? Because it's after all her kid that got her. Like, what do you want me to do to these children? I can do, you know, you name it. We'll do it. I mean, what do you do? That's wisdom, right? Navigating situations, navigating family. You've all experienced the, the difficulty of having to do that. Uh, some of you in, in different situations. Some of you in some very hard situations over the last few days and weeks. Some of you in some joyful circumstances. But all of us have had to deal wisely, right? It's not just true in family, it's true in our workplace, it's true in our neighborhoods, it's true as we engage in shopping, whatever it is. Wisdom is something that is very necessary for us as we engage in life. We're talking about wisdom in the family, and when I use the word family this morning and in the future weeks that we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 1, I mean family, first of all, in a very broad sense. We're all part of the family of God, and so no matter what circumstance you find yourself in personally, married or single, children young or older or no children, wherever you find yourself, there, there's some lessons for all of us as part of the family of God and how we interact with each other. But I also, over the few weeks that we're going to be in Proverbs 1, want us to think about a family in a, in a particular sense, mom dad or stepdad or stepmom and children who are in the home, because I believe that there are some unique challenges that parents face, and as I, I talk with many of you, I recognize that, that you're struggling with some of the th- same things that I'm struggling with. How, as, as a parent, do I act wisely in my instructing my children? How do I, as a child, act wisely as I listen to mom and dad and relate to them, whether I'm a young child or a child who's out of the home? How do I react wisely to my parents? Those are some of the things that we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. Not as much this morning. This morning, your notes that are there in your bulletin are going to be not useful in the way that I thought they were going to be useful when I put them in last week. Now you can take the notes in your bulletin and just turn them over. And the blank side is now going to be the area in which you can take some notes. What I want us to do this morning as we begin to approach the book of Proverbs is talk about a couple things. First of all, I want us this morning to talk about three major problems we have sometimes in rightly understanding what's taking place in Proverbs. Uh, Three problems we have to understanding the book of Proverbs. And then I'm going to talk about just four thoughts that I think help us approach Proverbs rightly. So if you're doing the math, three plus four, that's seven points before I even get to the text. So it's a good thing we had an extra snow day here, right? So we could uh, tackle some of these issues before we begin in Proverbs chapter one. So first of all, let's just talk about some, some major problems. The first thing, the first problem that I think we encounter when we come to the book of Proverbs is that sometimes these Proverbs seem contrary to fact, contrary to our experience. For example, you come to Proverbs chapter 10, and Proverbs chapter 10 verse 3 says, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, and he thwarts the craving of the wicked. You look around, and you can think of examples of righteous people who have gone hungry. You can think of righteous people who have had tough economic times. You say, well, hold on. If it's true that the righteous don't go hungry, what about this specific instance? Or verse 4 of Proverbs 10 says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And say, well, hold on. I know some people who are very hardworking who are poor. 
Or I know some people who are very wealthy, my boss, who's lazy, you might say. So what do you do with these specific instances that seem to be contrary to what the proverb is saying? Very famous example is Proverbs 22.6. What? Train up a child the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You can think of examples. I know a parent, good parent, good parents. Had a child, trained up this, this uh, child in the way that he should go, departed from the way. Does that mean that Proverbs is wrong? Does that mean that God's word is inaccurate? What do we do? That's a problem, as I think, as we come to the book of Proverbs. Uh, another problem that we have sometimes when we come to the book of Proverbs is that sometimes it seems like these Proverbs, some of them, contradict each other. So, for example, the pro- one proverb will tell us to work, and another proverb will tell us don't work too hard. I go, hold on, what, should I work too hard or should I not work? Should I work hard or should I not work too hard? Or you come, a very famous example is in Proverbs 26. In fact, turn to Proverbs 26, if they're already in the book of Proverbs. Turn to Proverbs 26, and you look at uh, verse 4. And it says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. And so you're in a situation, let's say you're talking to your boss, and you're boss is, is not uh, behaving in a very responsible way, is saying some foolish things, and you hear your boss kind of saying these foolish things, and he's right there saying these things, and you, well, Proverbs 26, 4 says, answer not a fool in his folly, lest you become like him. I need to just kind of walk away from this conversation because I don't want this to get crazy. And then you come to verse 5, and what does verse 5 say? Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. You're like, what am I going to do? I got this fool here. Should I say something or not say something? It's an apparent contradiction. Sometimes the Proverbs describe situations that are, that are contrary to one another. And so you wonder, well, what do, I, what do I do in these circumstances? What do I do with these apparent contradictions? Sometimes, not only do we see the Proverbs sometimes seeming to be contrary to our experience or contrary to fact. We can think of some specific examples that seem to negate the Proverbs. Sometimes, not only do we have the problem with the the Proverbs seem to contradict one another, another problem, a third problem that we have when we come to the book of Proverbs is that sometimes these Proverbs seem like moralism, very moralistic. Instead of being God-centered, it, it would seem pointing us to God and saying, okay, here's who God is, and, and now in light of who God is, live this way. It seems sometimes if we just take the individual Proverbs that they're kind of moralistic, preaching a, a moralism. So I come to uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 12, verse 10, and it talks about you know, the righteous person is kind to their animal. I said, well, I want to be righteous, so I'll be kind to animals. Or I want to be a, a good person, and the, the book of Proverbs tells me to work hard, so I'll, I'll be a hard worker, and, and then I'm good. Or I, I need to watch what I say, so I'll, I'll put a, a guard on my mouth, and I'll just you know, do good. Sometimes there can be a moralistic underpinning to the Proverbs as, as people try to interpret them that that leads them to, to a moralistic lifestyle as opposed to a Christ-centered, gospel-fueled lifestyle. So, three problems I think we have sometimes as we begin reading this very important book. Sometimes we read a proverb, and like, boy, that seems contrary to my experience, at least in these specific cases. It's not universally true. A second problem is that I have two contradictory proverbs, and what do I do? Do I answer a fool? Do I not answer a fool? And then sometimes we can be tempted to live moralistic lifestyles 
as we just look at individual Proverbs. So what do we do? Let me give you some thoughts about how to approach the book of Proverbs. A couple of thoughts that help us, I think, as we deal with Proverbs and other wisdom literature. Thought number one, wisdom literature, the book of Proverbs, is focused on the practical. It's focused on the practical. The intent of the writer of the book of Proverbs, or we should say writers, Solomon and others, the intent is not to deal with every specific situation that you are ever going to face in life. The writer of the book of Proverbs is focused on the practical, and because he's focused on the practical, what he's trying to do is give you some general principles that that cover big areas of life. And so the writer of writers of Proverbs are going to talk about the home. And Proverbs 17.1, better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. They're going to talk about the workplace in Proverbs 27.23, know the condition of your flocks, give attention to your herds. They're going to talk about the marketplace, Proverbs 20.23, unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord. And False scales are not good. The writer of Proverbs is going to look at all areas of life and and try to think, okay, here's some some big thoughts that are going to help you as you deal with your home or as you deal with your workplace. The writer of Proverbs is going to think about the legal system and about justice. He's going to write this in Proverbs 28.5, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. Now, sometimes people read the book of Proverbs, and they read these individual Proverbs, and they begin to argue with them. So, for example, again, Proverbs 28.5, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. They say, that's not always true. I know a person who, who uh, seeks the Lord, and they don't understand justice. They don't, they don't rightly understand everything about justice, and so the, the proverb must not be true. Let me give you an example from uh, my own childhood. By the way, my mom has what she considers a, a ministry to young mothers. And my mom's ministry to young mothers is to tell them what a rotten child I was. So she'll encounter a young mother with a, a child that's, that's struggling with its behavior, and she'll say, my son was just like that. Now, I kind of take it as a compliment because I, what I think that she's saying is that I turned out okay now. But it kind of hurts because it means that my childhood must have been very stressful for my mother, uh, at least in her perspective. So that's her ministry, is to tell young mothers um, how difficult her life with me was. And she's not, honestly, she's not far off. She's right on the money. I can remember some some things. First of all, I was a very argumentative child. Not a very wise child, but a very argumentative child. For example, one time a my parent would be saying something like, uh, one of my parents would say, as I was cleaning the table, Daniel, don't carry the dishes like that. You're going to drop them. Now, the wise child says, thank you, mother. I will be more careful. You're right. Carrying the dishes in my mouth is not smart. You know, or on you know, one finger. You know. What did I say? Parent says, Uh, Be careful, Daniel, you're going to drop those. And I said, I might not. You don't know that I'm going to drop them. 
you probably should say, Daniel, you might drop those, not you're going to drop those because you don't know the future, right? That's not a very wise response, is it? What it is, it's, it's nitpicking and arguing. The person who is going to respond to their parents' counsel is going to understand the intent behind the words and say, you know what, you're right, I'm not being very careful, please help me. The same is true when we come to the book of Proverbs. Our temptation can be to say, ah, I can think of a specific example where that's not true. The wise person understands, okay, the writer of Proverbs is talking about things that are generally true as they look at, at practical areas of life. A is generally going to be followed by B, which is generally going to be followed by C. And the writer of Proverbs is trying to help us understand all these different areas of life and, and to think wisely about them. And the wise person will respond to instruction. Proverbs 10.1 talks about how the wise son listens to his father's instruction. As a child, I certainly didn't demonstrate wisdom consistently. So a very important thought as we come to the book of Proverbs is to understand, first of all, that wisdom literature, the book of Proverbs, is focused on the practical. And we've, we've talked about some of these things in the past when we looked at the book of Proverbs, by the way. But uh, these are principles. They're not promises. They're not intended to be guarantees of every situation, but they're observations about how life normally works out. Okay, so Proverbs is focused, Proverbs is focused on the practical. Here's a second thing that I think is important for us to remember as we approach the book of Proverbs. Wisdom literature, the book of Proverbs, is focused on the paradoxes of life as well. The book of Proverbs is contemplating life's complexities. The book of Proverbs relishes the, the tough questions. It understands, so as you come to Proverbs 26, verse 4 and 5, the writer of chapter 26 of the book of Proverbs didn't, didn't, wasn't unaware that verse 4 and verse 5 contradict one another in terms of, of opposite statements. The writer of the book of Proverbs understands that verse 4 and verse 5 are different. And what the writer of Proverbs is doing and what the writer of, writers of Proverbs relish in doing is understanding that, that life is complex. There are going to be some times when you're, you're talking to someone who's a foolish person and behaving foolishly, there are going to be some times when the wisest thing to do is to say nothing. And there are going to be other times when you're dealing with a person who's saying foolish things where the wisest thing to do is to engage in conversation. We'll see in just a minute, wisdom is knowing what to do when, right? There's times whenever I, I'm, I'm dealing with my children and, and a child is having a meltdown and they're just kind of, you know, just going crazy. And the wisest thing to do sometimes is, is to come down hard. Hey, you need to stop that right now. We've talked about this. This is not the appropriate way to respond. Firm, right? There are going to be other times when my child is, is melting down. I'm going to take into account the extenuating circumstances. Maybe I let them stay up way too late the night before. I let them stay up for New Year's Eve or something, and, and they're, ha they're just an emotional basket case. I say, you know what? This is on me, too, and I need to understand that there are some extenuating circumstances. Is it still wrong? Absolutely. Do I still need to deal with it as a parent? As a parent, of course I do. But wisdom understands that, that life is complex. And you don't always respond the same way in every situation. Listen to some of the, the paradoxes in the book of Proverbs. We see that we work and we'll eat, but at the same time, the writer of Proverbs will say, hey, it's better to be a poor man 
who walks in integrity than a rich man who's crooked in his ways. So yes, sometimes the wealthy are those who have worked hard. Sometimes the righteous people are poor. The writer of Proverbs will tell you to work hard, work hard, be diligent. But at the same time, Proverbs 23, 4 and Proverbs 23, 5 will tell us this. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, that's wealth, it's gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings flying like an eagle toward heaven. So what does the writer of Proverbs say? Work hard. You work hard, you'll be financially successful. You'll have the things that you need. At the same time, the writer of Proverbs says, hey, don't work too hard. <laughs> be discerning. If you set your eyes on wealth, it's going to gain, uh, gain wings and fly away like Clarence and It's a Wonderful Life, which we watched for the first time as a family last week. The ability to, to know these things require, is difficult. Life is inconsistent, and the writer of Proverbs knows that life is inconsistent and, and relishes in the inconsistencies and, and wants to explore all those things. And so as we come to the book of Proverbs and you encounter Proverbs that, that seem to, to give different advice, that's intentional. We'll talk about what we're to do with all that. Here's the third thought as we look at the book of Proverbs. The ability to live in a world full of contradictions is, is the product of wisdom. The ability to live in a world full of contradictions and complexities is a product of wisdom. Wisdom is going to help me know what to do when I'm talking to the fool. Wisdom is going to help me to know what to do when, when training my, parent, or my child. Wisdom is going to help me know what to do when responding to my parents and you know, how do I honor them as I get older and, and when do I take their advice and when do I say, hey, you know, I, I need to not take your advice in this, in this situation. Wisdom is going to help me know how I respond to coworkers who are difficult. Wisdom is going to help me know how to respond to believers who are my friends who do things that aren't wise or how to respond to people who, aren't believe, un, who are unbelievers. How close to them do I get? When do I kind of pull away from a friendship? Wisdom is, is the ability to know how to behave in those various circumstances difficult. It's difficult. This, um, this past week as we came back to uh, Texas uh, on 44 going through uh, Missouri, there's an exit we love to stop at. I think it's exit 272. Does anyone know what's at exit 272 on 44? Okay, it's Krispy Kreme, okay? Krispy Kreme Donuts. And so we always stop there and, and get the kids donuts. And so we first stop at QT, you get a little special drink, and then we, we stop at, go through the drive-thru at Krispy Kreme. So we got our QT drinks, and then we go through the drive-thru and roll down the window and tell the, the person who asks, what would you like? I said, well, I would please like half a dozen glazed donuts and, and half a dozen chocolate glazed. What do the rest of you guys want? No, uh... <laughs> That's, that was our order. Half a dozen glazed, half a dozen chocolate glazed. The person responded, yeah, we are out of glazed. Yeah, that's what I did too. I said, you're, you're out of? Yeah, we're out of. Okay. Uh, I would like a dozen chocolate glazed, please. Yeah, we only have four of those. Okay, now we have a problem. Now, I wanted to say lots of things. Not, I wasn't angry, but 
I thought it was a good opportunity for, for sarcasm. You know, to help this person understand the foolishness of not having, this is a donut store. So I said, well, uh, I wanted to say, well, why don't you tell me the things you do have? And I'll say yes or no to those things. I wanted to explain supply and demand to them. You know, as, as we were talking about, you know, can you help me understand what's going on here? My, my wife was talking to the person. They said, well, glazed donuts are very popular. Yeah, I understand that, but Big Macs are popular, but I don't expect to go to McDonald's. And, yeah, we're out of hamburgers, you know. It, it's, it's your product. You should have it. And so, but but I, I didn't say those things, right? I di- because wisdom dictated that this wasn't, <laughs> this wasn't the most Christ-like way to behave to a poor person who, if they don't have, yeah, anyway. Um, the ability to live in, in life and to, to, to encounter store clerks and to encounter people who are doing things you wish, when, when you wish situations were different, and the, the ability to, to process all those things, like, I know how to conduct myself in this situation right now, that's a product of wisdom. It's wisdom. Here's the fourth thing that I think is helpful for us as we begin to approach the book of Proverbs. Uh, the key to wisdom is to fear God. The key to wisdom is to fear God. We're going to look at verse 7 in more detail, and Lord willing, uh, in the coming weeks, and hopefully next week if, if the Lord allows. But you know, verse 7 tells us that the, the fear of, of God is, is the beginning of knowledge. And we see later in the book of Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so the, the, the essential thing that we see about wisdom there is that it begins with, with fearing God. We've talked before about fearing God, and as we were going through the uh, through the the Old Testament, as we looked at as we looked at the Book of Deuteronomy and, and talked about the law, we, we talked about uh, about fearing God. We came to Deuteronomy chapter eleven, verse one, and Moses says there in Deuteronomy eleven one, "You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep His charge, His statutes, His rules, and His commandments always." And and you see there that. Love of God and fear of God are connected themes. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Deuteronomy 7.9, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Deuteronomy 10.12, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and as we talked about, when we looked at Deuteronomy, we said, well, what's the essence of the law? What's the essence of what the law is exhorting me to do? What the essence of what the law is exhorting me to do is to, to love God, to love God and to, to fear him and to walk in, in fear and love of God. There's an awe of God as I love him, as I consider who he is and his character qualities that causes me to, to want to, to walk in obedience to him. Fear of God, love of God, is the essence of obedience to the law. It's the essence of, of wisdom as well. So throughout the Old Testament, we see that if we want to keep the law, we fear and love God. And we see that if we want to behave in a wise way, we fear and love God. Now, how can we do that? How can we love and fear God? Let's look 
at Ephesians, the book of Ephesians here. We'll tie it into Ephesians chapter 1. It's very interesting. The book of Ephesians is, is very practical as well. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 are all about how to relate to other people, how to relate to parents, how to relate to children, how to relate to spouses, how to relate to other people in the church, how to talk to each other, how to sing, uh, how, how to, you know, very practical things morally about how to um, not steal and to, to give and things like that. Chapters 4 through 6, the, the practical how to live, the, the wisdom, are based on chapters 1 through 3, the gospel. And here's what we see in chapter 1. Paul is talking about how God should be blessed, and it says that we are, uh, verse 4, even as God chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And in him, that's in Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all what? Wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in who? In Christ is a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And so what do we see? God's call to wisdom, God's call to obedience and fear of, of him culminates in the person of Jesus Christ. And how do we have the ability to know how God would have us live, how God would have us think, what God would have us do? It's all found, it all culminates in the person Jesus Christ, Wisdom personified. Paul, as he continues the chapter in verse 16, will say, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. The essence of wisdom, what, what wisdom is, is being able to to encounter a situation and, and know what the right thing to do in that situation is. As we're going to see next week, wisdom is something that each of us desperately needs. You and I are not wise people. Uh, many of us have, have made New Year's resolutions, or at least we've at least thought in our minds, hey, there are some things that I hope are different this year than last year. But the sad reality is that you and I live... Very, very unwise lives, not just you and I, but, but people in general. A study that came out last year found that, that 20% of adults uh, smoke, and less than half of those who smoke even tried to quit last year, and, and what we know that's not healthy for us. Only one out of five of us, or let me put it this way, four out of five of us don't get enough exercise. A third of us are totally inactive. Only 26% of us eat enough vegetables. Only 14% of us eat enough fruit, and a third of us eat no fruit at all. A tenth of us drink enough water, and a tenth of us drink no water at all during the day. We don't exercise, we don't eat right, we don't sleep enough, we make bad financial decisions over and over again. You talk about all the unwise things that we do. And, and that doesn't even get into how we treat each other, right? What do we need? We need the ability, by God's grace, to go into the various circumstances in which God places us and live wisely, to do the right thing. And the book of Proverbs helps us see the big picture about what wise living looks like. And it helps us understand as it, as it points out various contradictory things to do, 
various uh, seemingly contradictory things to do, it helps us understand that life is complex. And far from preaching moralism, Proverbs points us to the person of God and helps us understand that it's only in the Messiah, it's only in Jesus Christ that we can have life and the life transformation in our hearts that allows us to live wisely. I think that's where I'm going to stop for this morning. I want you to be able to get home and, and be safe. But, but I want you to, if you can, over the next few weeks, spend some time reading the book of Proverbs and, and seeing what, what, how God desires us to live and, and how the person of Jesus Christ can help us navigate the, the various situations that we find ourselves in. Because the bottom line is this, as we think about wisdom and, and the fear of God and how through faith in Jesus Christ we have wisdom. What it means is I go into every situation and my motivation, as I think about the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom, my motivation is, is now no longer what's best for me in this circumstance or, or how can I um, avoid the, the censure of other people or how are other people going to respond in this situation if I do this or don't do this or how can I be a people pleaser. My motivation in every situation in which I find myself is, is what is going to glorify my Lord. How am I going to encounter this situation through the power of Jesus Christ and, and, and interact with my child, not in a way to, to kind of just, just get through it and, and just kind of get past it, but to really honor God in this situation? Or as I encounter my parents and my parents are saying stuff and I'm, I'm frustrated as, as a child, how am I going to, in my interaction with my, my parents, be wise, fear God and say, what does God want me to do in this situation? How is God's name going to be glorified and exalted through me? That is wisdom, encountering every situation and asking the question, what does God desire me to do as, as his child in this circumstance? Sometimes God's going to want me to be quiet. Sometimes God's going to want me to lovingly say something. Sometimes God is going to call me to pray for someone. Sometimes God is going to call me to give to someone. Wisdom that comes from God through Jesus Christ helps us navigate the complexities of life. Let's pray. Father, we pray for wisdom, as Paul tells us to pray for it. Pray that we'd have a, a, a wisdom and insight and knowledge into your son Jesus, not just into to general rules about how to live life, but, but insight into the knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ so that we can live wisely. We pray this in his name. Amen.